0: Welcome to The Procurement Show.
1: Hello and welcome to The Procurement Show, the show that tackles the topics we all need to think about and sets out to explore the more interesting bits of procurement. I'm
2: Jonathan O'Brien. And I'm Paul Philpot here to make sure that the programme is educating, stimulating and, dare I say, actually a bit
1: fun. This week we're looking at the coming food crisis and we're discussing the recent article in The Economist that laid bare what is about to hit us. We will be exploring that and what procurement functions need to be doing to attempt to navigate through it.
0: The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing enabling the future of procurement in organisations around the globe.
2: OK, so I say that things are going to be a bit fun. The thought of the pending doom relating to a food crisis isn't exactly something that I would consider fun. Nonetheless, it is very important. Are you relating to the effects that we're starting to see in the supermarket when you talk about this?
1: Yeah, so people are talking about the cost of living crisis and what we're about to see kind of blows that out of the water. We ain't seen nothing yet. So we're seeing prices rise, We're seeing energy prices rise clearly and we're seeing prices on the supermarket shelves rise. The reality is where we are today now, a lot of the price increases have not flowed through to us. So we're only beginning to see it and already it's really, really scary. The gravity of what lies ahead really isn't understood and it's very, very scary. We are heading for nothing short of a major food crisis and this is going to land at the door of procurement functions in any business sector, uh, especially food food, retail, hospitality sectors. Mm -hmm. We're talking incredible rises in the cost of some of the staple commodities. So wheat, barley, maize, sunflower oil, all the sort of key ingredients. And they're key ingredients to us, and they drive the cost of much of the food that we buy. But in developing nations... Those things are essential staples. Hmm. Now, Back on the 16th of May, Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary General, warned of what he described as the spectre of a global food shortage that could last for years. Okay. And he went on to say that the number of people who cannot be sure of getting enough to eat will rise by, get this, 440 million to one16 billion.
2: Wow, that's quite a figure. Actually, everything that you've said now is a lot more than I was expecting in my head when this subject matter came up. I mean, you've said about rising costs, you've mentioned inflation, you've mentioned rates rising, energy costs rising. Surely that's it. There can't be anything more. Well, this is what's
1: going to happen. So we're seeing some of those things happening right now. But this is a new thing. And this is a new level of crisis that we cannot yet comprehend. And it is going to affect absolutely everybody on the planet. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. The problem is today it's not really being talked about. We're hearing news stories of the cost of living crisis, but the assumption is that's what people are seeing now this is a new thing on the way so the risk now is not really being understood and anybody in procurement anybody that's involved in sourcing these commodities or where the inputs to what we buy depends upon them we
2: really need to be looking at future planning scenarios right now so what's the current driving force what's the real thing that's kind of pushing these issues forward is it the Russian invasion of Ukraine well yes so that is a factor
1: and everybody's going to put the finger of blame onto that and indeed it is one of the key reasons but in fact this this is another one of those perfect storms. We've had quite a few of those on this show recently. So in terms of some of the statistics here, we and many other countries around the world depend on importing food. You yeah. know, we don't produce enough ourselves to sustain ourselves. Russia and Ukraine supply about 28% of the world's wheat. They supply about 29% of the world's barley, 50 of all the maize used around the world and an incredible 75% of the world's sunflower oil. And in fact, the food that Ukraine exports provides the calories to feed something like 400 million people on the planet. Not only that, exports from Ukraine... Have been disrupted. So, you know, if you remember the news stories, they put these mines in the water yes. to deter assault. And also, of course, Russia is blocking the port of Odessa. So the grain that's in there cannot get out. In Ukraine right now, there are silos full of grain. So all the grain from last year's crops yeah. are in the silos and the farmers can't get that out. And of course, that's rotting away. Now it gets worse. Because it means that the grain from the new harvest, which is due about now, they've got nowhere to put that. So we're losing two years worth of grain here. And worse again, Ukrainian farmers now lack the fuel, they lack the labour to be able to plant another crop after that. So, you know, it is a perfect storm in terms of about a third of the world's cereal crops and 75% of the world's sunflower oil.
2: I guess this really is something you don't think about, especially here in the United Kingdom. You drive through the countryside and all you see are fields growing, you know, various crops there's two things. Surely they must be able to find a way to get the grain out of Ukraine. And I do appreciate that you've mentioned about the knock-on effects, but Ukraine can't be the only place that produces this to that extent. Can't we just, as we do with anything in procurement, switch supplier? Yeah, well, and indeed,
1: we need to be changing the way that we think about some of this stuff. And we will need to grow more Mm -hmm. in the UK. We'll need to grow more across Europe, in the US. And there's a thing in terms of, how we've kind of put all our dependency in certain supply chains around the world. But that isn't the only factor. Let's bring climate change into the equation here because we're starting to see the effects and impacts of climate change big time. China, largest wheat producer on the planet. This year's crops have been pretty much destroyed. They've had huge rains that delay planting and China are currently predicting their crop to be the worst in history. You know, when China says something like that, they don't normally admit when things are bad, but if they're declaring that, that means it's really, really bad. India, second largest producer on the planet. There's been this extreme heat wave over there that's killed all the crops. And then in other areas, if you look at where cereals are grown in a america and parts of france there's been a lack of rain that's threatened the crops and yeah i mean it's easy to say we could grow more but at the same time we've got surging prices for fertilizer and about 30 percent of the world's fertilizer comes from russia surging Mm -hmm. prices for energy so right now if you're a farmer in the uk in europe in the us this is one of the last things you want to be doing because you're not going to be able to make any money out of it
0: the procurement show Exploring the more interesting bits about procurement. And now, the procurement fun fact. This edition's exciting tale of preposterous procurement, bizarre buying or simply saucy sourcing. More
1: of a sad fact today, really. One of the more unusual and troubling supply chain impacts that has hit us in recent times is the shortage of headstones for graves. The problem is one of delays in getting granite supplies. When it comes to a quality headstone, granite is the material of choice. However, production levels are down due to Covid-hit quarries and delivery problems due to truck driver shortages. This, combined with the sad fact that there has been an increase in death rates due to Covid and the shortage has left tens of thousands of grieving families facing headstone delays of a year or more.
0: The Procurement Fun Fact Contact us by email Hello at theprocurementshow.com. Send us a tweet at Procurement Show or connect with us on LinkedIn. Search for The
2: Procurement Show. This sounds a bit apocalyptic. I've got this feeling that we've just been plodding along ignorantly. And surely we should have seen this coming, shouldn't we? How have we managed to allow this situation to become so delicately balanced?
1: Well, it perhaps would have been a little hard to predict that Russia was going to invade Ukraine. However, there is another layer to this because we could have done more to understand risk. It's clear for too long now we've accepted that globalisation, global supply chains and trading around the world is sound and we can rely on that and companies all over the world have accepted this position that there is a global marketplace it's open for business and in procurement there's a thing you know and i've spent years teaching companies Mm. to do this where you work to develop relationships bilateral relationships with key trusted sources you secure your source of supply you build a relationship with them you perhaps work closely with some of the producers which is absolutely good advice providing those markets work. All this means that we haven't got a plan B. We haven't. We've deliberately not set out to have dual sources for some of these things. But instead, we've built single relationships, single channels of supply. And at a company level, at a national level as well, because governments have established trade agreements with specific countries. So what we're seeing now is that model actually needs to change because we can't rely on one particular geography, one particular country, one particular producer. We need to think about all the different scenarios and how things could change. And of course, when we talk about the impact of climate change, we pretty much ignored that. We've covered that on this show extensively. And we know companies have done very little to think about the risks of climate change and be ready for it.
2: On reflection about what you've just said, are you actually saying that when it comes to this topic, contingency isn't really a thing that's done here?
1: Well, some companies have done contingency, but the contingency has been based on the assumption that the global trade opportunities exist as they are today. What we've seen with COVID, the after effects of COVID, what we've seen with the invasion of Ukraine, and what we've seen with all of the other impacts on supply chains around the world is... Actually, those supply chains are quite fragile. Ah. And it doesn't take much to completely upset the way things flow and effectively eliminate large areas of the supply base. So assuming everything's going to carry on as it has done actually turns out to be something we can't continue to make that sort of assumption moving forward.
2: So we're looking at more price rises then?
1: Yeah, we're talking big leaps in food costs. Uh So if we look at how inflation is rising in the UK, we are close to 10% currently as we were recording this so about 1 to 1.3% of that is due to hikes in food prices and this is only going to go in one direction for the next two years probably and so it's going to get worse. Now if we think about the impact here as ever the impact will be worst For the poorest people and the poorest nations. Of course, yeah. So this means that this is another thing where the poor will get poorer. And if we look at developed nations, if we look at the UK, the US and Europe, we're going to be seeing the poor getting poorer. More people relying on food banks. We're already seeing that as well. It's terrible. The world we live in that you see people having to rely on food banks just for everyday life. And there's more. So severe threat to those in developing nations. So households in emerging economies, typically about 25% of their income goes on food. In sub-Saharan Africa, 40% of what families earn is spent on food. Mm -hmm. So if that rises, they can't feed themselves. And as inflation rises, then, you know, there's another double whammy here because It means that it costs more to get credit. Farmers Mm -hmm. can't borrow money, so they're not able to invest in the crops. Currencies devalue. This increases the cost of the imports. And also, of course, the countries who are poor already, they're crippled with energy price hikes, so they can't afford to subsidize the poor population. So we're looking at poorer nations getting drastically poorer yeah. terribly poorer because there's no way out of it you know big step change down for many developed nations over the next sort of couple of years countries racked by hunger were set to witness spectacularly disproportionate social political and environmental damage mm-hmm. in the next two years
0: it's time to ask Jonathan.
2: Okay, let's take a little bit of a break in this topic and do an Ask Jonathan. I've worked in procurement in a big retailer for more than 20 years, writes our listener. In the last year, my job has changed beyond recognition and I'm constantly battling against price rises from suppliers. I am not alone. The entire team says the same thing. And the word everyone is using right now is... Unprecedented. Many of my suppliers have switched their approach to be more forthright in their demands. Some now give ultimatums. My question to the procurement show is: Do you think, in general, that power has shifted more to the supplier, and if so, will it ever return?
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant question. And he didn't give his name. She no, didn't give her name. Don't know Who that is? Okay. So whoever you are, it's a great question. And yes, the answer is yes. In general, right now, power has shifted more to the supplier. Now, that's not across the board. But if we think about what gives power, if we go back to the fundamentals of supply and demand, what we have seen is that capacity has shrunk, demand has increased. So there's an undercapacity, there is an overdemand, and that naturally will shift the power to the supplier, naturally would drive prices up. So in terms of pure supply and demand, that will rebalance because markets will kind of tool up, will gear up, they'll overcome all the issues they've got to be able to supply. So we'll kind of reach a balance between supply and demand again. That will happen. It's not a short process. It's something that's going to take years, in fact. But add to that what we've been talking about today in terms of climate change and other political instability, war driving changes – and that prevents, that hinders mm-hmm. things returning. So we've got those factors as well. But there's a, kind of another dimension to this and all of those things, those security of supply issues drive a different dynamic, which means that if we're gonna have the right security of supply, we need a new generation of relationships with our suppliers. We need to be really clear who's important to us and get closer to them so in that sense we do give our suppliers more power because we're establishing a relationship with them to protect ourselves for the future so yes overall there's been more power that has shifted to the supplier and moving forward we will deliberately want to allow that up to a point because that will in turn protect us all about the importance
2: of relationships relationships is everything topic we keep on coming back to if you've got a question to ask jonathan here's how you get in touch ask jonathan email
0: your question to jonathan at the show.com. you might be part of the next show the procurement show the latest thinking the greatest insights
2: So considering the backstory that you've just explained to us, it's very real that even if we were just looking at a food price crisis, Mm -hmm. that crisis is going to spill over into everything else that we buy, everything else that we have in our lives. Because if it costs me more to pay my family to eat, I'm going to want more money in my paycheck, aren't I? And that's going to have knock-on effects even further.
1: That's right. So that's going to drive inflation up. That's going to drive labour prices up. That's going to devalue some currencies, Mm. as we said just now, and that's going to make it more expensive to do things. And the whole thing runs away with itself. And for you and I, we're just talking about things getting a bit more expensive. Yes. We'll manage through that. Yeah. But it's the poorest that are going to really suffer here.
2: So how can we change all this then? Well, easy question. Yeah, absolutely. Complicated
1: answer, no doubt. There is an answer. The problem is it's probably not going to happen. So today, there's something like 23 million tonnes of corn and wheat Mm -hmm. that's sitting in Ukraine. That's equivalent to the annual consumption of the world's least developed countries. And that's just sat in silos, those silos that haven't been bombed or blown up, you know, they're full of grain. To get this out, Ukraine would need to demine the approach to Odessa, which they're probably not going to do. Russia would need to allow Ukrainian shipping, and Turkey would also need to let things pass through the Bosphorus. So, unlikely, those things are going to happen. There are other things we can do. There's substitutes that we can do here, because about 10% of grains and about 18% of oils go to make biofuel, which, Mm -hmm. you know, in normal times is a good environmentally sound thing to do. But right now actually we need it to feed people. So there's substitutes that nations around the world can make and I think some of the Scandinavian countries have already changed their regulations around the amount of biofuel that needs to make up the overall mix of fuel. So they've actually opened the door to let that happen.
2: So let's just put this back to me. Mm -hmm. I work in procurement. I work for a large company that buys the commodities that you've mentioned wheat, barley, maize, vegetable and so on. And I also buy other things that depend upon these raw materials. Okay, What can I do within my role, within my business, my organisation.
1: The reason I wanted to make this the topic of the procurement show is we need to be doing something because what we know for certain is that the future is uncertain. So we know that the future supply base is going to be difficult. It's going to be highly volatile. It's going to be really messy. Now, maybe the companies we work for are saying, hey, what are we doing about the food crisis that's going to hit us? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not saying that, in which case we in procurement should be saying, hey, what are we going to do about the food crisis that's going to hit us? And this very much depends on the industry that people are in. Clearly, if we're in the food sector or our inputs depend on this, then you know, this is critical if we're in a completely different sector We will be impacted, but to a lesser degree. So, number one, we need to not cling to the notion that things will return to where they were, that global trade will go back to how it was before. That is not going to happen. We're going to see a future of nations being very protectionist, holding on to what they've got, not prepared to share, and increased volatility more surprises, less security of supply. So we've got to start with the fact that the world's gone crazy and it's not going to come back to normal. Okay. The second is we need to scenario plan. We need to think about all the different things that could happen and what does it mean if we can't get the supply that we're currently getting? What would different degrees of price hike mean for us and what would we Mm -hmm. do in response to that? Third, we need to think about alternatives how can we do things differently how can we use substitutes what other things could we do and this is about procurement then getting close to what the organization does. So if we produce food, we're now getting involved in the design of that. If we're producing things that depend on some of those input costs, we're then working with the operations, the R&D people, to think about how we can do things differently. We're perhaps even thinking about what other relationships could we have. Can we perhaps change the entire model for sourcing. Can we possibly think about acquiring suppliers? Can we vertically integrate? Can we start growing the stuff ourselves? Mm-hmm. Not such a crazy idea, mm-hmm. you know. The idea of you know make versus buy is one of the most fundamental things we do in procurement, and we've assumed that we can buy the crops that we need. Perhaps we're entering a time when, if you are a big food producer, you actually want to be owning that agriculture that allows you to produce that. China have done a lot of this. They bought up a lot of agricultural land around the world to give them security of supply. And I think the final thing is we've really got to understand the global marketplace. So we use the PESOL tool a lot to understand the external environment. And that's not a once-only thing. We need to be kind of looking at that, updating it monthly. What is happening around the world? What is driving cost fluctuations? We need to understand every bit of detail about the supply chains and the geographies and what's happening around the world so we can predict it and respond in a more agile way and quicker than our competitors.
2: So fundamentally if the cost of living crisis to use the broadest term isn't an agenda item in your procurement team group meetings and discussion it really really should be because if it hasn't affected you yet It certainly will, with not too much time to go. No, that's right. And
1: cost of living crisis, but the impending food crisis and the impact on it, how we're going to navigate yeah. through it, how we're going to mitigate the risk.
2: Whilst we still have the ingredients in order to make it, please may I talk about three takeaways. Three takeaways. All right. Our takeaways, for those of you who are new to the procurement show, are the three highlighted facts or action points that we can literally take away. So three, please, Mr Jonathan O'Brien.
1: Yeah, and I think they're kind of mixed up with those points that I sort of did just now. So I think the first takeaway is the world's going to continue to be a very crazy place place okay for the next few years it's not going to go back to how it was number two we need to be all over this we need to be scenario planning understanding the world and all the different dynamics so we can be ahead of the game and number three it's time to start being creative don't approach this like we approach every other procurement thing let's be creative about how could we actually do this differently Maybe it's time to go and buy some agriculture. I don't know. We just need to be creative.
2: Excellent. Okay, there you go. There's your homework for the week ahead. Thank you very much for listening to The Procurement Show. It's thanks to you that we have become one of the top rated podcasts in this arena. So please do make sure that you like, that you subscribe and indeed that you share The Procurement Show to your friends and colleagues.
0: You've been listening to The Procurement Show. Contact us by email. Hello at theprocurementshow.com. Connect with us. On LinkedIn, search for The Procurement Show and on Twitter, at Procurement Show. Visit us at theprocurementshow.com. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. Copyright Positive Purchasing. All rights reserved. Produced by Fresh Air Studios.